welcome everyone to Community Roots, a place where we gather in community to talk about mental health so we can travel the journey of life together. I'm Samuel Richards. I'm Julie Richards. I'm Sarah Wakefield. And, Not a Richards. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> we should just bring you on in. Yeah. And now Sarah Richards. <laughs> yeah, adopted. <laughs> adopted Richards. We'll just bring you in. Uh, that is funny. Alternate names for the podcast were maybe uh, two Richards in a Wakefield. <laughs> 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 Something like that. Uh... But Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, you know, uh, I've had so much fun this, uh, these last couple episodes. I think we've covered some really good topics. And um, Mr. Rogers was totally in my life for the last two weeks as I thought about our quotes <laughs> yeah, and stuff like that as I went through my day to day. And then so many people were like, I love Mr. Rogers. And I'd mentioned Pittsburgh and they're like, I'm from Pittsburgh. So I met a couple of Pittsburgh people talking about Mr. Rogers, talking about our episodes these last two weeks. So that that's awesome. Fun. That relational these, connection. Yes. Were these people in Columbus? Yes. Yeah. Wow. People I work with or just neighbors, <laughs> <laughs> neighbors. <laughs> you know, the other type of relationship people have non-work, but understand people outside of work. What is this? Exactly. Talking to your neighbors right. community. Yeah. How did you talk to them through your computer if they lived next door? <laughs> but um, anyway, so uh, as we kind of go throughout this season, we're kind of finding ways to build off of the concepts that we've talked about. And so it's a great way to kind of, you know, um, if you've been with us since episode one, how the variety of topics we've talked about and also how they're all kind of relevant to each other. But this season, we're kind of focusing in on more of a uh, building block process. So today, as we kind of talk about, um, you know, coming back to home base, getting back to a secure place, we're going to talk about secure and compromised attachments, which I think is really cool. We've actually mentioned um, secure attachments a couple times throughout the entirety of this show, um, and it'll be interesting to talk about a compromised attachment too. So often, I think we either talk about you know the worst case scenario or the <laughs> ideal scenario. I don't know if we've uh, covered compromised attachment yet, but. Anyway, so today we'll go over kind of how does a secure attachment differ from a compromised attachment and how does that impact relationships? Um, we might even go into like, what does that inner dialogue sounds like so that you can compare it kind of with your own thought process? I think we would do well to start off talking about what in the world are we talking about with attachments? Because mm. Good point. Perhaps people don't really have any context for that. So sometimes uh, we talk about the idea of having a secure attachment with our caregiver at the time of infancy and young children that they, what is their attachment style and how it looks for parents relating to children. But actually attachment is a concept of how we interact in relationship across the lifespan. And that relationship is threefold. One with ourselves. How do we view ourselves? How do we view others? Mm -hmm. And how do we see the world? And do we see all of that as a safe place that we can feel connected to and, and feel in relationship with, 
or do we see it as something that is scary or threatening or not a safe place to be in that um, more of our protective brain is um, activated? Whenever I think of secure and compromised attachment and that safe place versus, I mean, I talk to some people on, you know, in my neighborhood and some people are like, you know, the world is a scary place. You've got to watch out. And then I kind of see the play, the world as, you know, people are trying to figure it out, but overall you're pretty good. You know, is that the difference? Like the, the people I've talked to who kind of live life scared have key compromised attachment relationships? Definitely, it would say that the framework that their brain and nervous system has built is one for protection. Hmm. Because they've been hurt in the past, because needs haven't been met in the past, it sets into motion that I'm potentially unsafe and my needs might not get met. And so the idea of a compromised attachment, I think is a really cool concept to compare with that I hadn't heard that language until more recently, um, by Orleans and Levy, um, they kind of group together, um, several kinds of insecure attachment, which some people who are familiar with this language might know it as anxious, ambivalent, or avoidant, dismissive types of attachment. They kind of grouped them together under compromised, meaning that something has happened in that person's story, in their relationships that caused it to not feel as safe. I kind of have a broken road in my head. It's like a road that's been affected by an earthquake and it's all sorts of broken up because there's an attachment there. You have a road, um, but then mm. it's been damaged and has boulders and has boulders and, um, rifts and chasms and all of that. It's a route that's not secure, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that makes sense too. And, um, also, I notice the difference if I'm walking on a trail, you know, that has a lot of rocks or a lot of ridges. I'm kind of always staring down at the ground, waiting for the next thing I'm going to step on <laughs> or trip over. And yeah, if that's I'm a good on metaphor. Like a, a flat road, if I'm on something paved, I'm looking straight ahead or at the trees on the side or, you know, at the top. So I think that works. Mm -hmm. I think that, and I like how it goes with our name with community roots. There we too. go. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the pathway concept and reflecting on that metaphor, but, but it does connect back to our early relationships because that's where we first learned. Um, the idea of an attachment cycle is I have a need. Someone is responsive to that need and will meet my need. And as infants and young children, that's I'm hungry. And so I'm fed. I'm wet and the diapers wet and it needs changed. It's I'm scared or cold. And so I'm held and comforted and it's, it comes full circle when there's a need that's expressed and then the need can be met. But when it's not met and an infant or child is alone and scared and, and then, um, kind of set up for more of a traumatic scary, um, framework, then there's that fear that I can't have needs. No mm. one's going to be here with me. And mm -hmm. the world is more of a scary place. Mm. 
I don't know if this will take us off on a tangent, but can you have secure attachments and compromised attachments at the same time? Yeah. And I honestly really love Robin Goebel's terminology that she uses, which is streams, streams of secure attachment, streams of anxious, avoidant, disorganized, all these different secure and insecure kind of flowing in together. And that actually one of the ways that we can heal an insecure attachment or a compromised attachment is to bring in streams of secure attachment with it, to have Mm -hmm. like an anchor that we keep coming back to of, you know, we would also say our functional adult, we bring our functional adult online, we bring in a secure attachment as an anchor, so that when we have places that are bumpy, stormy, tumultuous, um, maybe stunted, underdeveloped, we are able to kind of grow those parts up and allow them to have more support and more stability and more secure. So that's interesting. You know, I would, my question to that would be, you know, maybe you're growing up and you're leaving the house, maybe you're around like 18 or 20, or maybe you're older and you're realizing that just maybe your familial situation is leaning towards, you know, the compromised um, attachment style instead of the secure one. If you work on building those secure attachments with other people, it does it like, how are you going to see the world? You know, is it because like your parents are the ones that like your longest relationships are compromised? So your secure attachments aren't really secure. They're kind of just temporary or they completely separate. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's definitely started with our caregivers, which may or may not be our parents, actually, Mm -hmm. because sometimes even grandparents step in Mm -hmm. as a parenting role. Sometimes there is a certain caregiver. It could be an aunt. It could be it could even be a babysitter that is definitely our attachment relationships expand to teachers, role models. Um, These attachment relationships that we need across the lifespan are really are people that we go to when we need comfort, we need Mm -hmm. um, kindness, we need soothed, we need supported. There are go-to people. That's who our attachment relationships Mm. are. You might have a host of different people that are acquaintances or friends or coworkers or whatever, but your attachment relationships are the ones that you can reach out for when you're struggling and they are there to kind of bolster you and um, help give you more more of what you need to feel like you have a secure mm-hmm. home base and a, a foundation that this is a safe place for you. This is home for you. This is kind of at a sense of, um, like a landing place of someone who gets you. Those are your attachment relationships. Mm. And I'm sure like for me, so many names are coming and flooding to mind. I hope that for a lot of people, they are like, you just realize, huh? Oh yeah. That person always has my back. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. The person who has your back, the person who, and I love when you can put language to this, which I want us to spend a little bit of time with, um, so that we can kind of get a better picture of what is secure attachment? Why does it matter? And it's important to say that secure attachment is not better than, um, an insecure attachment or a compromised attachment. Secure attachment is 
certainly part of our growth and our healing. And it, it helps us to feel safe and seen and soothed and secure. All of that is great, but the adaptations that our brain and our nervous system make whenever our needs aren't met are equally as brilliant. Um, the fact that we get anxious is for the purpose of trying mm -hmm. to help our need get met. The fact that we get avoidant or dismissive is protective in nature. It's trying to keep us alive so that we won't be crushed if someone isn't there. And so all of it is adaptation. All of it is, um, pretty beautiful in design, mm -hmm. but the more that we can become aware of how we can allow these streams to flow together, that we can, um, be grateful to our nervous system and to our brain for how it's protecting us and helping us, but then also finding moments of healing moments of safety moments of connection so that we can have a stronger foundation and not feel like we're alone in the world or it's a scary place. So Julie, I think I struggle with this a little bit, this concept of it's, um, Com uh, secure attachments aren't necessarily better than compromised attachments because I would hope that like my, my initial thought is, well, I need to have all of my attachments be secure and reduce the number of compromised attachments or heal from those uh, compromised attachments. But you're saying our compromised attachments can teach us, I, I guess I've I'm struggling with this concept, Julie. I think the, the challenge is if we say that secure attachments are better and then we see a compromised or an insecure attachment as less than that it's unhealthy, then we've automatically put shame and stigma and othering to our relationships. Like, okay, if the standard is everyone has to, in my world, have secure attachments what percent of the time are we hoping for that? I mean, we've talked before about you only have to get it right 33% of the time to have a secure attachment. Mm -hmm. The reality of being human is that we have moments of feeling less secure. We have moments of feeling unsafe. And so we, what we need more than to have perfect relationships or perfect humans, which isn't even possible. What we need more is to know how to move towards safety, how to um, bring repair, how to nurture the parts of us that are insecure to help them be more secure like that. It's almost like um, paralleling it to if I were going to go on a stormy journey on a ship and it's the water is tumultuous and we're potentially going under who do I want as the captain of that ship? Do I want someone who's only ever had blue skies and sunshine and it's all good? Or do I want mm. somebody who has like grown through hard times and worked through places that were unresolved, you know, metaphorically, I want the person that can go deep with even being with me in my disorganized states or streams or my insecure parts, you know, streams, parts, that's all language for that. We're not categories and we're not boxes and we're not defined that way. So these are just ways of conceptualizing parts of us 
um, yes, cultivate secure relationships and focus on helping meet needs and being safe and seen and soothed and secure with each other, which is the language of um, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson. But we won't accomplish that all the time. And people are in broken, hard places. And so we need to understand that if those um, vulnerable nervous systems, if those fragile nervous systems, because of trauma, because of hardship, because of stunted development are compromised in various ways, then let's understand what that looks like too, because that's a fuller picture of humanity than just looking at, oh, we had everything, all of our needs met all of the time. Because even if that 33% is what's needed for the secure attachment, then the compromised attachment in that case would be the other 67% mm. of the time. So we do want to understand the whole picture of both. And we do have these different parts within each of us. And we have these different parts within our relationships that it shows up. Well, well, I was thinking like what this brings up for me is maybe, you know, kind of what mom is saying is like, if all we were was happy all the time, then there'd be no work to be done. There'd be no, and we just live in an imperfect world something I think of with compromised relationships are kind of, or even like our amygdala in general, like what it does for us is like our nervous system, whenever you touch like a hot thing and it's like, you feel pain. And so you pull your hand away. And like, obviously what we might say as humans is like, well, I don't like that pain. I don't want that pain, but to not have that pain would mean that you couldn't feel or that you couldn't sense something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, <clears throat> you know, um, not having that there and you just leave your hand there and it just burns and burns and burns. So even though, you know, the feeling of pain isn't desirable, it's our body letting us know that something needs to change or something isn't right. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? I think that's a, a great point. And we had talked about that last time too, about pain as a gift because it's an indicator because it mm. lets us know that something needs attention that needs repair or healing or, um, something that needs to be soothed. And in the same way, our family systems, you know, so often people just pass down to the next generation, whatever was taught to them about feeling emotions or communication or, boundaries or a lack thereof. It might be really enmeshed relationships. It might be walled off and neglected relationships. We just keep passing things down thinking that that's quote unquote normal, but without really exploring like what, a, what does a healthy family look like mentally, emotionally, relationally, psychologically, spiritually, whatever way you want to look at it. So this is also another way to just kind of be able to conceptualize um, how we see ourselves, how we see our relationships, how we see the world. So let's get into that with like specifically yeah. with the secure attachment. That is exactly where I was hoping we would go. I'm really curious and I really want to explore. Indicators. What, yes. What are some, some indicators? Cause I have some in my head, but Julie, take it away. So this is the work of Orleans and Levy, and they talk about if, if we have a secure attachment, we see ourselves as I am good, I'm wanted, I'm worthwhile, I'm competent, and I'm lovable. 
So I tend to see myself in ways that are, are, um, healthy, positive, um, contributing to, to society. And, and I can see myself in a positive light, not to a grandiose extreme, um, but also not a self-deprecating one. So very balanced, very same as. And good affirmations too. (laughs) Yeah. They've worked on it. Yeah. I like that. It kind of reminds me of uh, work relationships where Mm. you, when you're on a really great team, um, you know, I feel competent. I feel like when I'm energized, I'm empowered and, um, I'm respected. And then when I'm meeting with someone where we have a bit of a compromised attachment, uh, I'm, I'm taking this to mean, man, I feel less than I feel belittled or maybe not belittled, but less than possibly um, (laughs) Possibly. disrespected all like the opposites of that. But I think too, that secure attachments from what, what I've experienced, I can go into those meet. If I have strong, secure attachments, I can go into those meetings and those projects with the compromise attachments and not feel shame or embarrassment or, um, I mean, I can acknowledge that I'm going to feel, or that um, it's a compromise attachment, but I, I love what you said early on about removing the stigma of shame or removing the mm. stigma of this compromise attachment being bad. It's about, Oh, I, how can I learn from this? And how can I, like, I am not bad and I am not these negative thoughts. And if I'm veering off, Julie, please step in because I just had this mental image of, of a work uh, I like that work environment reflection because that's making this really practical mm-hmm. for us, you know, and how we function in the world in our, in our work relationships. So a compromised attachment, exactly like you said, Sarah, for how we view ourselves is going to be the opposite of that secure attachment. And it, that person would believe I am bad. I'm unwanted. I'm worthless. I'm helpless. I'm unlovable. And again, there can be gray in between these two like black Mm. and white examples. And so we might have streams of both. We might have some, you know, valuable ways that we see ourselves that we're precious, we're valuable, we're, we're wanted. We might also have some places that we feel kind of unwanted or unlovable, but we're understanding these as two streams, um, of how we view ourselves. Hmm. The next layer that they look at is what do we, how do we reflect on our caregivers? So this would be like relationships with others. We talked about our relationship to ourself, relationship to others. If I have a secure attachment, then I trust that my needs are going to be met because there's been consistency for that happening. They've shown up and they've proved themselves that it's going to be safe and they're going to meet my needs. So what the um, secure attachment believes is that my caregivers are appropriately responsive to my needs. They're sensitive, they're dependable, they're caring, and they're trustworthy. And then if we have a compromised attachment, that's been the more opposite experience. So they believe that their caregivers are unresponsive to their needs. They're insensitive, hurtful, and untrustworthy. So again, 
if if we looked at that in more detail for people who are familiar with um, insecure attachments that might show up looking very anxious, that might show up looking avoidant and dismissive. But the point being that the needs aren't getting met and there there isn't that serve and return or I have a need and then it's met. That pattern is disrupted. And so with caregivers, is that, were you saying that's other people like, you know, a friend and just in the adult mindset, like a yeah, friend? If we're looking at attachment across the lifespan, it does start in our infancy and in our childhood. And we're looking at the caregivers when we were young, but because attachment is also a relationship across the lifespan, it's our continued people like you mentioned that have your back, the people that you're looking to for support that as we're in adulthood, it's more about mutuality and right. interdependence. Mm -hmm. And so not only do they have your back, but you have theirs and, and it's more in adult relationships that way that, that you're both responsive to each other, attentive to each other, caring and sensitive and dependable for each other. Yeah, I definitely, you know, <clears throat> being only, you know, 10 years or so away from living in home growing up. Um, caregiver, like I still understand that role, obviously. And I, I've seen it change to be more of, you know, I think the difference for me between a secure attachment and a compromised attachment from the role of like a friend or a caregiver is less of like, you know, are they providing me for me or and more of like, are we at an equal level? Are we able mm. to help each other out? Or do I feel as opposed to an insecure attachment, which I can think of some people that I think I have that with a compromised attachment, which is like, I feel less than, I feel one down. You know, I feel like I'm always, no matter what I put in, it doesn't matter. And so, yeah, I just, you know, kind of wanted to point out for me and as I imagine others, you know, how that role has changed and how it's kind of gone from like, are they providing for me or do I into, do I feel like part of the team? Do I feel like an equal valued mem member? I think that's definitely an important part of adult relationships is that there's interdependence, mutuality. Um, it's about both of us. It's not lopsided to mm -hmm. only one. Julie, I'm wondering as adults, does this mean, I, we talked about the streams of uh, attachments flowing in, um, but what if you're in a, a compromised attachment as an adult? Like say you have friends who you have these compromised attachments with. How, how do you heal from um, with that? Or as adults, do we just like cut them out of our lives? Understanding, and I'm not saying that we cut them out because like, oh, it's they're a bad relationship and we, we can't have bad. We can only have sunny skies and everything. Cause we just talked about that. But as adults, what do we do with those attachments that are, I don't know, compromised that aren't necessarily, um, we're not tied to them. Does that make sense? <laughs> I I'm going to go for the point that you're asking about, because we will have people in our life that maybe don't make the relationship a priority or they have responses that are immature or stunted or unhealthy patterns. 
I don't think you necessarily have to automatically cut that person out of your life, um, but it would make sense that you would invest in some relationships that are safe and secure and put um, a lot of priority on those relationships, that they're more trustworthy. And the people that are less so, I think you have to determine how much of your vulnerable heart you're willing to give them. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't think they've earned the place of having your vulnerable heart if they've shown that they're not going to care for it and be mutual with it and make it a priority in a mutual way for both of you mm. and what you do for each other. So what do we do with it? I mean, ultimately, first and foremost, what we're talking about in this series is coming back to home base is that I'm going to make sure that I do have a secure foundation and that I am finding healthy relationships that that can be attuned and attentive and where I can feel seen and heard. And then when I have places that's not, I I'm going to have to figure out how to navigate um, my needs getting met in safe places and not trusting my deep needs to a place that um, can't, can't meet that need or is potentially going to be harmful, hurtful, traumatizing, insensitive, things like that. So I don't think you necessarily have to cut them completely out of your life, but you do end up kind of deciding how much of my mm. heart and life is, is worth how, how will, how much will I give or share with that relationship? It's not a good investment for my vulnerable heart. Yeah. You know, I can see this being in a case of especially like family, like people you don't necessarily want to cut out because they're an important relationship to you, but also maybe understanding the boundaries of being as vulnerable. If like you have a history of being vulnerable and then being hurt in that vulnerability, like maybe not going down that path anymore. That's what I think of because sometimes, you know, with toxic relationships or one that, you know, ones that aren't, you know, as good as they could be, or ones that are open as they could be. I think then the question falls on you to ask yourself those questions, kind of like what mom was saying with coming back to home base, like, am I in a good space right now? You know, what is this doing for me? Is this worth it? Like, uh, am I feeling affirmed by this? Or am I feeling, you know, brought down by this? Where, you know, in some relationships, it might be so compromised or not working on so many levels that you might go, there's nothing that this can do. I'm just going to step away for, you know, put up some boundaries. I want to close with um, also how this ends up, how we see the world and how we view our life, because it's helpful to understand like what is fueling the narrative that I, how I, what's my lens on seeing um, my life in the world. So for a secure attachment, my world feels safe and life is worth living. And with a compromised attachment, my world feels unsafe and life is painful and burdensome. So I think so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think that's worth sitting with just because if we have compromised attachments, which we all do have streams of that, like where are the anchors where are the places that we can come back to home base that we can reconnect and feel valued and that we're precious and 
um, that we have something to contribute to our relationships. We're giving and taking it's serve and return. There's mutuality, there's connection, um, to ourselves, to others, to the world. I think that's kind of what it all boils down to and comes back to. And if we want to nurture our inner child, I just wanted to close with this too, that we're offering that wounded part inside of us or that um, young part inside of us that might feel stunted. There's some phrases um, that uh, Jamie Corey came up with that are like, you could put your hand on your heart and just kind of reflect on that young part of you and say, I'm glad that you're here. I see you. I respect you. I will keep you safe. I'm here for you. I'll make time for you. You can turn to me for help. Your needs are important to me. Um, just that kind of reconnecting back with yourself. Those are all based on secure attachment. And ultimately what we really want in our relationships is to feel seen and heard and that somebody's got our back and that we're connected um, in a safe way to others. So that's kind of the essence of what we're talking about with attachment and kind of how to make sense of your own history and where you are currently. It's some good stuff to sit with. Yeah, the hot take for the day is, do you have secure attachment with yourself? <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you have a, a healthy relationship with how you view yourself and how, you know, you go through your day to day? I think that's super interesting. You know, the final thought, you know, I know we're all circling around, but um, I heard putting a name on your future self or your past self, giving yourself like a different name and treating them as somebody and just be like, well, I do this with myself and I've noticed that it's helped a lot where I kind of view my future self. I named them Ollie, just Oliver. And I was like, well, that would suck if I opened up my bag and all my cords were like all messed up. I might as well fix this up, you know, because that would suck if Ollie did that. Opened it up and it was inconvenienced by that. And I see that in the same way where once I started viewing myself as a real person instead of just like the lens I was viewing life through, it was easier to give myself support or give my view myself as a physical thing who needed life force, you know, needed uh, to nurture my inner plant a little bit. <laughs> but that. um, yeah, that's just something that came to mind as well, like um, asking yourself these questions. And I feel like with myself, I do have a secure attachment and I practice a lot of gratitudes. We do that almost every episode. And I guess it's streams, you know, I have some secure attachment and some, you know, compromised attachment, but anyway, I just think that's so interesting. I love how this all affects each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. Kind of putting together the different pieces of the puzzle to make sense of it. And, and we're not stuck. I know that sometimes people feel really stuck, but even if we have compromised attachment, insecure attachment, you know, all these different places that have been, um, bumpy, hard, wounded, we don't have to stay stuck there. Like we have moments of healing moments of finding connection and finding an anchor and finding a place to be seen, having, you know, knowing that our relationships where we are seen or heard can be really prioritized and really cherished as such a gift in this world. That's what we can, um, cultivate more of 
that's what we can be for other people, not just so that we're expecting someone to be there to meet our needs, but that we can also be giving that to others in that mutual give and take, serve and return. I dig it. I dig it as well. Sweet. Well, as we reach the end of this episode, if you have any thoughts, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you all. We love building this community that is Community Roots. You can reach us through communityroots.pod at gmail.com. Um, you can also hit us up through the Facebook, as uh, my older folks call it. <laughs> um, but we'd love to hear from you. Those things go directly to our phones, and I'd love to continue this conversation. You know, there's so much here. You know, I thought instantly how telling how you view life kind of plays out within our whole society. That would be mm -hmm. an interesting topic for sure. But mm -hmm. as we close out, we love to do gratitudes. Um, so uh, I will leave it up to my co-host. What are you guys grateful for? I really feel the need to mention, I think my cat believes we're in a compromised attachment <laughs> uh, relationship. And I, I just appreciate him exhibiting all of the, um, all the indicators of a compromised attachment so that I can better understand it myself. So here's to you, Frank. Sweetness. <laughs> it, it gives you so much insight into all relationships, including with pets. So I think I just love the orange and yellow and red that's starting to come out, primarily mm. the orange in the leaves. And I just look forward to this time of year and fall. And it seems like the trees used to change color in September. And here mm. we are like towards the end of October. Yes. And I'm like, okay, there's still a lot of green out there. And I, I know that like within, and I'm, you know, we're in Ohio here. So wherever everyone else is listening, you might not have the same season or tree relation, uh, reference point or something, but it's like at the beginning of November, a storm comes and like in one day you just look out and go, Oh my gosh, all the leaves are gone. It's winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just these bare limbs. And so right now I'm at that point where I'm like trying to just notice and be mindful mm. and savor the color of mm -hmm. orange where I see it and just take in fall. And yes, we had pumpkin, um, pancakes yesterday that were like Yum. so good they were so oh my so i just i like fall things and and the season and just trying to savor some of that that sounds great i've also been trying to enjoy fall but i'll pick something else before the episode we were talking about my brother noah and i will shout out noah he is a great friend we were just texting earlier today and i'm so grateful for the time that we did get to spend with each other in college and how that's grown and developed into something awesome afterwards. So shout out to Noah, uh, if you're listening. Uh, thanks for being a good brother. <laughs> but Okay, y'all. Well, thanks so much for joining us for yet another episode of Community Roots. I'm so excited that we're knocking all this out. Um, so you will hear from us again on November 15th. I can't believe we're already going to be into the holiday season. <laughs> yeah, it's coming quick. But Awesome. Thanks so much, uh, Mom and Sarah, for joining me. And thank you, listener, for joining me as well. And we will see you soon. Bye.